0: If you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which will be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Our text will be verse 10 this morning. It's John thirteen ten, and It reads this way. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art. How merciful thou art. How long-suffering toward thy people thou art. O Lord, I thank you, for thou art great. Thou art holy. Thou art everything to thy people. Oh Lord, I pray in this hour that would be pleased to attend it with thy power and thy clarity and thy peace. Lord, search us by thy word. Reveal to us, Lord, that we are clean in thee. Show us, Lord, this hour what that means. Bring it to our hearts, to our minds, and to our understanding. And, Lord, as we see each day, as this world turns to chaos, it seems, as we our minds drift and our unbelief becomes rampant, we ask, O oh Lord, that you would bring us to thyself. Make us to lie down in thy green pastures. Reveal to us our life is hid in thee. And reveal to us, Lord, what that life is. Lord, you are so good to us. Open our eyes that we may see and help our unbelief. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You probably recognize the passage that we're in. Um, You know, we spend a lot of time, at least I do, in what I, I would call the greatest sermon ever preached. And that was John 14, 15, and 16 when the Lord gathered his disciples to him, and he he told them things that were about to happen, things that would happen, and he preached to them what he was to them, what he was in totality, as he prepared for that day to go lay down his life for his friends. And then chapter 17 was arguably the greatest prayer ever prayed, as the Lord had that high priestly intercessory prayer for his people and he prayed to the father for them and and then when we get to 18 we start to see all the events unfold at the last moments of his life here on earth but chapter 13 we don't talk a lot about it although it's it's kind of preparatory it was right before you know the lord had sent his disciples two of them, to go and find the room that they would meet in. And they did. And they found this place to meet. And, and then when the Lord came together with them, John's gospel is the only one that records this event. The Lord washing the feet of the disciples. And it's sad to me. I, I, I read our text this morning. And the text is clear to me. It's clear to me in verse 10 that Jesus is not talking about feet washing. But yet today, we have religions and we have those that will gather and have services built around washing feet. And they think that that is doing a service for the Lord or or showing something that's virtuous or righteous. I hope you see today that the Lord washed their feet for one reason, and that was necessity. Their feet were dirty. It's not about washing feet. But the Lord had a message in this, and the message is in our text this morning, and it's about being clean. It's about being justified. It's about being sanctified. It's about being washed in His blood. It's about what the Lord has done for His people. And you can't miss that here. And if the Holy Spirit is willing this morning, we won't miss it. We won't miss the power. We won't miss what He's done. We We will see Christ shining through this passage as the only one shining through this passage. Because it's all of Him. Let's start right at the beginning of chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, and this would be Jesus' fourth Passover from the time that His ministry began, fourth and last one. And when Jesus knew that His hour was come. That's an that's amazing thing to me because it shows you once again that the Lord is in total control. We read in the Gospels, we have times that the crowds would get so mad at Jesus and they would chase him to a cliff. And then we have where Jesus just passed right through the midst of them. And what did the Bible tell us? Because it was not his time yet. It was not his time yet. It said over two or three times in the Gospels. It was not his time. But this, when we come to this, he knew that an hour was come. His hour was come. That hour was right in front of him. The hour that he would lay down his life and be that sacrifice for his people. And he knew that the hour was come and that he should depart out of this world. And that's what Christ did. He laid down his life and he departed out of this world. And that's the terminology that all the saints in Christ have. When we leave this world, we depart from this world. It's not about death. It's not about the morbidity of death. It's not about the, the fear of death. It's about departing to be with our Lord. He knew that at hour, His hour was come that He should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved His own, which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. The end of their life, the end of his life, the end of the age, the end of whatever it is. We know that the scriptures tell us that this love is an everlasting love. It's an eternal love. As the Father elected his people before there was ever time, the Son said, I will go and die for them out of love. That love is eternal. That love never ends. And that's what our—that's what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Even in this hour, the Lord's mind has His people in His mind and on His heart. As He goes to the cross, as He's going to lay down His life, He has them in His mind and on His heart for where He's about to do all things for them. And supper being ended, which is a not a good translation. It actually means it's supper time. It's time for supper. But the way this, the word they put in here is probably not the best one. So it's 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 coming to that time. And it says the supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So that tells us something. The Holy Spirit wants us to know something. That Judas is there. Judas is about to have his feet washed, just like the other eleven. So Judas is still there, but in Judas's mind, Satan has entered. It says, "The devil have now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot." Is put it. In- Simon's son, to betray him. It's on his mind. As the Lord will stoop to wash his feet, Judas' mind is, I am going to betray you. I have sold you for 30 pieces of silver. I think of that often, and I think about what's in the minds of people when they come to worship, or when they're taking part in a quote-unquote religious event. And only the Lord knows our hearts. He knows what's in our minds as we come here today. He knows what's in our minds right now at this hour as the gospel's being preached. And only He could grab our minds and fix our minds and stay our minds upon Him. We are dependent. And then we have in verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given given all things into His hands. As I said from the beginning, we have the Lord Jesus Christ in total control of all things. His death and resurrection and ascension is in front of His eyes and in His heart and in His mind. He knows what He's about to go and do. There's nothing taking Him by surprise. Knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, knowing that He is King of kings and Lord of lords, knowing that He has power over all creation, knowing that He could have called legions of angels, knowing that He had command over every person, place, thing, animal, whatever was on the face of this earth, as He had all things into His hands, and that He was come from God and went to God. His glorification was upon His mind and His heart. He knew the hour would come to lay down His life. He knew the hour was there where He'd be forsaken of the Father. But He knew the faithfulness of the Father. He knew that He would be glorified with the Father. He knew that He would be risen. He knew that He would be ascending. This is what our Lord knew. He's in total control of all things. And He still is today. No matter what we see, no matter what we hear, no matter we hear the voices of man, whatever they are. And I'm sure you've heard the voices of man this week and they've angered you. But our peace is in this Savior. Our peace is in the Lord Jesus Christ who has all things in His hand. He ro- who rose from supper. And he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel and girded himself. Now, as I said at the beginning, it was customary. When they went to one another's houses, there was always a servant there to wash the feet when you came into the door. When you came into someone's house, when they walked everywhere, it was a dusty place they lived in. Most of them were barefooted even if the more affluent ones wore sandals, but their feet were always dirty. So as they came into a place of residence, the servants would wash the feet of the people coming there for for dinner, for supper. Then they would sit down to supper. But as I said, this wasn't anybody's home. This wasn't Peter's house. This wasn't John's house. This wasn't a residence they knew this was a place that the Lord said go and this room will be there waiting for us and it was and it was a room prepared for their last supper together but Jesus as a like I said as it's customary everyone shows up and everyone's feet is dirty so Jesus he rose up he laid aside his garments And he took a towel and he girded himself. He he put it around himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now this this is amazing to me. That the Son of God would stoop down and wash the feet of his disciples. I think just in in, in, cha- in a few chapters earlier. If you recall. You recall when Jesus came. And and, the, and they were out fishing. And they would fished all night. And they couldn't find anything. I mean they, they didn't catch anything. And the Lord said to them. Throw your net on the other side. And when Peter did that. He, he kind of argued a little bit. He said Lord we fished all night. But you said to do it. We'll do it. And he threw those nets on the other side and they could could barely bring in the amount of fish. And as they did that, and and Peter saw that it was the Lord and he ran to the Lord, he fell down on his knees because he knew that was the Son of God. Where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's rightful. That's our rightful place at the feet of Christ. The chapter earlier, chapter 12, begins with Mary Magdalene washing the feet of Jesus toward His burial, anointing them. That was a rightful place. The Lord said, leave her alone. This will be be voiced throughout all the ages. She will be remembered for this act. Remembered for knowing where her place was, where she was brought to the feet of Christ. We understand that. We readily accept that. We hope and pray every day of our lives that the Lord brings us to his feet, that he humbles us in prayer, that he humbles us to call out to him, that he puts down the pride of life, the pride of man. In all the thoughts that we have. And He humbles us and and causes us to depend upon Him. And to cry out and to seek Him at His feet. And we can readily accept that. But we have a problem here. Because Jesus, the Son of God, is doing it now. And He'll tell us later why He did it. As an example to put others above yourself. But as Jesus sits there and he, he, he begins to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith He was girded. And as I said to you, it was because there was a necessity. Their feet were dirty. It wasn't customary to eat supper with your feet dirty. Jesus saw a need and He, he showed them humility. And He showed them and He went and He washed their feet. There's nothing holy in washing feet. You and I don't have that necessity today. We don't have a necessity. Everyone in here that I can see is wearing shoes and most likely socks of some kind to protect our feet. We go into places, we take showers or we, we, we bathe before we go places. That was not the necessity. That was not what was going on then. This was a need. And to make it something more than that takes away what Jesus is teaching. What Jesus wants them to know. It is a physical act representing a spiritual truth that Christ is going to tell them. And I hope He tells it to us. After he poured the water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then he got to Simon Peter. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter said unto him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Peter is is shocked and surprised. As I said to you a few minutes ago, This is the Son of the Living God. How can you even think to wash my dirty feet? My feet that are polluted, that's walked in this world. How can you even consider this? I should be washing your feet. It reminds me of what John the Baptist said to Jesus when Jesus came and said, I am to be baptized by you. And John's like, I'm not worthy to be baptized. I'm not worthy to baptize you. I'm not worthy to even undo the shoe off of your foot. I have need that you baptize me. And for every child of God, the Holy Spirit brings them to see the need for salvation, the need for their Savior, and their inability and their unworthiness to even be among that number that the Lord would choose to save. Because if the Holy Spirit ever convinces you of sin, He will reveal to you that you are not worthy to be saved. Your worthiness is in another. It's in Christ. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not. Now dear ones, Peter knew he was going to wash his feet. So we know he's not talking about washing his feet. What I do thou knowest not. Jesus tells us right there, this isn't about feet washing. You know I'm about to wash your feet. But what I'm doing, you don't know right now. But thou shalt know hereafter. What did Jesus have in mind? Well, he'll tell them that when he's got them gathered around them after he dismisses Judas, and he's got his eleven around him, and he tells them that he's going to send them the comforter. And he told them, he said, that comforter, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things All things whatsoever I have done. And you won't believe this is something physical. And you certainly won't believe it's something that belongs in the church or something we do or something you must do. Because here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, what Jesus did, then we see what happens in verse 8. Peter said unto him, Thou shall never wash my feet. Jesus was spot on. He was right. Well, I not mean, Peter, you don't understand. You don't get it. And Peter didn't get it. He didn't understand. He looked at his dirty feet and he looked at the Son of God and he said, You should not be washing my feet. In fact, you will never wash my feet. Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I, the Lord Jesus Christ, let this sink in. This is what the Holy Spirit teaches the child of God. If I wash thee not. If I wash thee not. If I don't bathe you in my blood if I don't wash you in my sanctification, if I don't wash you in my justification, if I don't wash you in my righteousness, you have no part with Christ. No part. This has nothing to do... All of the disciples, I hope you see it. They're all passive. They had no say in this. Jesus didn't ask to wash their feet. He began to wash their feet. It's the same in salvation. It's the same in our daily walk. The Lord must wash us. And it's not a one-time washing. Yes, we're cleansed by the blood. Yes, we're from the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But we get polluted in this life and we need to have it applied over and over again. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Job said it like this. He said, who could bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And he answered it. He said, not one. Not one. Lord, I I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you washing my feet? What purpose could this possibly serve? And then Jesus in the power and in the clarity and in the the gospel. He preaches the gospel to Peter. If I wash you not, if I don't do it, you have no life. You have nothing. It doesn't matter how many times you've been to church. It doesn't matter how many feet you've washed. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized. It doesn't matter if you've taken the Lord's Supper a hundred times. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. What does then? Being made clean. Being washed in the blood of Christ. And if He doesn't do it, you nor I or anyone else is saved. But He has. He has washed His church. That's what He's showing them. I've done this. You're passive in it. You're not making a choice. You're not telling me, oh, it's a good day for me. I'll let you into my heart. This is the sovereign grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And not just Peter, but the entire church is represented here. As the Lord will say that to every one of us, if we're not washed under His blood, if we're not washed by the blood, there's no cleansing. There's no cleansing by a man's words. There's no absolution by somebody sitting on the other side of a partition. There's no animal sacrifice. There's no good deeds you can do. There's no beads you can rub. There's no superstitious act you can do or follow. Jesus comes and says, If I wash thee not, may the Holy Spirit speak this to each one in this room right now. If the Lord Jesus washes you not, you have no part with Him. Then Simon Peter said unto him, something went on there. Something, some, some light bulb went on. He didn't have the depth of what Jesus was teaching him, but he saw the importance of it. Wait a minute, what did you say, Lord? If I don't, if I don't wash you, you have, I have no part with you, Lord. Wash, hey, wash, hey, not my feet only, but wash my hands and my head. I'm I'm filthy all over. It reminds me of what Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Peter said, not just my feet, Lord. My hands, my head, everything needs to be washed because I'm, I'm, as what the prophet called... We have putrefying sores from head to toe. It's a picture of our depravity. It's a picture of what we are without Christ. It's a picture of how we must be washed. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Do you feel that way? Has the Lord impressed that upon you at times in your life? I sinned so much, Lord. How could you save me? Lord, I know what you did for me. And look how unfaithful I am to you. Last time I was up here, we talked about the Lord's faithfulness even when we're not. Even as we're not. Praise God that He's faithful. Praise God. Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter saw a need now. Just a couple of verses ago, or a couple of transactions ago, all of a sudden, Lord, you'll never wash my you'll never wash my feet. And now, just in a short couple of minutes, the Lord's importance is, is He's showing the importance of being washed. Peter still don't know the depth of it as he's looking at it in a physical sense. But then the Lord says in our text to take all the physicality out of it. He said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. It's not about your feet, Peter. It's not about your hands, it's not about your head it's about being washed in my blood but is clean every whit you mean to tell me that denying Christ three times is clean is made clean by the blood of Christ yes do you mean having infidelity and and taking another man's wife and, and causing him to be murdered and, and taking her and... You mean I'm clean? David said this in Psalm 51, 7 and 10. He said, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. This is after... Nathan said to him, Thou art the man. And the Holy Spirit said to David, Thou art the man. And David, under the power of the Holy Spirit, penned these words. And he said, Lord, he said, if you wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. The Lord revealed to him the power of the blood. The the power of a Savior that hadn't even come yet. If you wash me in that blood, I will be whiter than snow. If you cleanse me, Lord, if you make me clean, I will be clean. Verse 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Only you can do that, Lord. Lord. Only you can. That's what he told us in 8. If I wash thee not. We're not looking for absolution of sin in people or places or things. And if you are, you're you're on a path to hell. Because there is no forgiveness and there is no washing in anything or anyone but Christ. He is our sanctification. He is our holiness. He is our cleanser. He's the one who washes us and makes us whiter than snow. In Zechariah 13:1, we read: In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David. It's open to the house of David. That's the elect people of God. The fountain is open. And it's opened by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's an eternal fountain. And Zechariah could speak about the time that Christ would come because it's an eternal fountain. It was the same fountain they had. And there's a fountain opened in that day to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Are you unclean? Do you still feel the uncleanness? I feel dirty every day. Every day. Whether it's reflecting on my sins of the day or just looking at the headlines of what's going on. The thoughts in my mind of anger and and why and, and, and all my unbelief. Because all of those questions come from a from someone fallen who says, "Lord, you're not in control. You're not the sovereign God over all things." I need to be bathed in this fountain that's opened, and I need to be washed often. And the mind needs to be washed, and the conscience needs to be purged, and the Lord needs to say to me, "Thou art forgiven," and He does. And he does. And he does. Because he's faithful. In 1 Corinthians 6, 11, after Paul had enumerated some very wicked sins, he said, and such were some of you. I think sometimes we get this very gross idea that the people of God are these upstanding, non-sinning people. Maybe it's our religious background that's told us that. Or maybe it's what we, we want so bad to be in ourselves. But when you read in this Word, we, we see that it's full of sinners that are saved by grace, that are washed in the same blood. The same blood that you and I need today impressed upon our souls pressed upon our hearts and our minds. The Lord has taken it away. He's done it. He's washed me. Therefore, I'm clean. Tomorrow, we're going to, in some way, shape, or form, we're going (coughs) to celebrate independence and freedom. Because of the Lord, where He's put us to live, we still have freedoms. But our freedom is because we've been washed in the blood. There's no condemnation for us because we're washed in the blood. We're freed from the power and the dominion of sin because we're clean. Because the Lord said, I've washed you. I've prayed for you. I've kept you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. By my stripes, you are healed. such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. No other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved and justified and are not guilty. Why? Because of Him. Because of Christ. Not because of my life. Because of His. Because of His blood. Because of His perfect obedience. Because He was the bloody sacrifice for me. ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Why was that put in there? Because the Holy Spirit must reveal it over and over. I don't know if you go through some of the things I do. Probably once or twice a week, easily, I look at myself and I say, How can I be like that? You just hurt somebody you love. You snapped at somebody. You did something. You thought of things you shouldn't have. Lord, how could I do such a thing? You're wicked. You have a fallen nature in you the Lord comes with the gospel and says, but I've got good news. You're washed in my blood. And you know what that does for me? It sets me free of the condemnation. But you know what else it does for me? It gives me a holy hatred for sin. I don't want to do it anymore. And I want to be free from it. And I want the Lord to mortify and to put it down. And I desire and I pray that. Lord, put it down. I need Thee. We're dependent every moment of our lives, every moment, for Him to reveal what He has done in its totality. Revelation 1.5 says, in the beginning, it's introducing Jesus. This says, from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Must be his blood. That's what he's talking about. This is not a ritual. Don't you know if, if man was to do this today, we mar it. We mar everything that we do. We touch it by whatever we touch. We're doing it to say, oh, look at me, what I'm doing. He that is washed needeth not to save, his save to wash his feet. But he's clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all of you. There's one of you in here that I washed his feet, but he's not clean. Shows us again, once again, these things that the Lord gave us, two ordinances. One, do this in remembrance of me in the Lord's Supper. Baptism, which is a picture of, of us going down into the grave and with our Lord and being brought back up and walking in the newness of life. But He can't save you. Thousands upon thousands upon millions have taken these ordinances. There's no salvation in them. There certainly wasn't any in washing feet. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, And he had taken his garments as was set down again. He said unto them, Know you what I've done to you? Do you know what I just showed you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. I hope you call him Master and Lord. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And we know this ain't about washing feet. What is the Lord teaching us? That if the Son of God could wash feet, how can we put ourselves above others? But we do it. You know, I I think about it a lot in my own self. It bugs me about myself. I mean, it's easy to see it in others, but it bugs me about self too. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever conversation you walk into, the first thing in our minds is how does it affect me? Me. It's that self is always there. But Jesus is teaching that's not His way. I remember... When we had school out there and the very one of the very first lessons I ever taught the children was writing joy on the board Jesus others yourself was an acronym. And we talked about that in light of the scriptures. How Jesus is always first, others, and then yourself. That's always stuck with me. But I can't perform it in myself. If left to it every time, we're going to take care of the Paul said that what man doesn't take care of his own body. What man isn't looking out for self? All of us. Yeah, if Jesus doesn't wash us, we have no part with him. And if Jesus doesn't humble us, we won't be humbled. I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you others before yourself verily verily I say unto you the servant is not greater than his Lord and if the Lord has showed us and told us that others are greater than ourselves we should not put ourselves above what he has taught us that's why I said we're dependent upon him Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. I and the Father are one. If you know these things, and this is how he ends this section. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Have you ever found contentment and happiness in serving others, but most importantly, serving the Lord? when the Lord takes over your heart and your mind and you're doing things out of love and there's not a problem in that sacrificial love where Christ is first your brethren are put above you that's all of Him and this one little one little final happy are ye if you do them what joy, joy is the fruit of the Spirit that comes from Him May the Lord impress upon us in this hour two things. I mean, yes, we do see the Lord showing us servitude. We do see that the Lord showing us and impressing upon us the right order, if you will, of being in Christ. But don't ever miss. May the Holy Spirit impress upon us the whole reason for what took place here is for the Lord Jesus to show us that we're only clean in Him and that we must be washed in Him and by Him. And how faithful He is to do this for His church over and over Dear Heavenly Father, may you add thy power, may you add thy clarity, may you search us Lord in this hour, may you reveal to thy people Lord that you have washed us, that you have made us clean in thy Son, and that truly thy Son has set us free. For this I ask in Jesus' name, Amen.